Welcome back to the Pathway Podcast. In this week's episode, lead pastor Jeremy Flanagan shares how we can pursue the wisdom of God throughout our lives, wrapping up the Path to Wisdom series. Well, it is good to be with you this morning. It means that I survived a mission trip and made it back home. And uh, we uh, had a, a great time last Sunday. Uh, we were scurrying around, and as soon as worship was over, we brought in the pizza, and the families sat and ate with their children, and then shoved them into the van and sent them with me and Hannah. Uh, and uh, I just, uh, I want real quick, for all of those uh, who went on the mission trip, uh, myself and Hannah Allen were sponsors, and then we had 12 students. For everybody that went on the mission trip, stand up real quick. Y'all stand up. Everybody in the room who went on the mission trip. A lot of them over here. All right. Got some over there. So, and, and uh, yeah, Luke's in the back on slides. No, no, stay standing. Stay standing. So here's what this group, we had one van. I'm going to make a slide to put it out on a fuse later to brag on them a little bit. One van with 14 people, and we spent three days in Bloomington, Indiana, and we put door hangers on 3,000 homes. And so y'all congratulate them again. All right, y'all can grab a seat. So they worked really hard. Uh, Kevin Pruitt, the pastor there at uh, Journey Baptist Church in Bloomington, was just bragged on them a lot and just how much our group came and accomplished. Uh, Here in a couple of weeks, they have an event called City Reach where uh, a bunch of church groups are going in. Uh, Dom's actually going to be up there and one of the speakers. Uh, And uh, a lot of those groups are coming in. They're doing different activities throughout the community. And so... Our job this past week was to promote all of that. And uh, they already, like after the first day, had uh, I think four or five new signups for the Lego camp they're hosting for kids. They had uh, one person reach out to them and just uh, thank them for the work that they were doing and encouraging them. So already the work that these students put in uh, has paid off for that church. And I'm just excited to hear in a couple of weeks kind of the culmination of it. But, uh, you know, we... um, uh, we spent a lot of time, we did uh, a lot of work, then we spent a couple of days and, and had fun in St. Louis, and uh, I just uh, thank you for the opportunity for us to take them and to do that, um, but uh, I am tired. I will be tired for days, and then I leave on a family vacation, so I'm going to be tired for about the next week and a half, uh, but luckily, this is the last time you're going to have to listen to me preach for a little while, so the sermon's probably going to be short unless I doze off. Um, so if I do, Lauren, just come and nudge me. And uh, anyway, but, uh, but it is good uh, to be here to wrap up this series. Uh, you know, as Dom started the series off and Jack and Larry uh, and then Mitchell's taking over next week, uh, that we try to kind of have a theme for the year. And we always kind of a year out are asking ourselves and saying, in the life of our church, what is it that we need to tackle? What is it that we need to make sure that as you know, staff, as far as teaching on Sundays and, and then throughout small groups and other areas, um, what is it that we feel that we need to be the people that God wants us to be? And you know, we've talked about persisting a couple of years ago and we planned that out even before COVID hit and, and it timed out very well in this past year about exploring, about taking new ground, doing those things. And then the series that we've started this month that'll go through this year um, and uh, in the fall, we're gonna spend a lot of time in the book of James uh, and uh, we've been talking about the wisdom books, just kind of giving an overview. Uh, but is the idea that 
with everything that we face, with every challenge that we have to wrestle with, with the new ground we take, with the struggles we persist through, whatever all those things are, um, we've had so many questions uh, this past year about how do I do this, you know, whether it's how do I have a better marriage, how do I uh, raise children, how do I face this adversity of my Christian faith at, at work or at school or even in my own family, how do I find a better dedication to me as an individual with my relationship with God. You know, all of those, how do I accomplish this thing that seems to be elusive at the moment? And so how do I just get through life? How do I handle the stress and anxiety? How do I, any number of things. And so wisdom is what we feel, and we're going to approach it from a lot of different areas and, and hitting kind of the different things that as believers and as a family of uh, um, you know, of people here that, that we struggle with. Uh, but this month has been just looking at what is the path to it and just taking some overviews of these books, some of these wisdom books that would be great for you to read, uh, especially we've been talking about this month reading Proverbs, and, and it's one of the next steps again today. But uh, where we started off was that Dom talked in the book of Proverbs and that it was, you know, kind of a, you know, black and white, do this, don't do that. Do these good things and good things will happen. If you do these bad things, then these bad things will happen. And of course, there's a whole lot more nuance to life than that, but instruction manuals generally are pretty black and white, not just in, in uh, you know, the black text on a white page, but they tell you how and what you should expect from it. And obviously, there are always gonna be exceptions and there's always gonna be nuance. And that's where Jack jumped in with the book of Ecclesiastes because it's a book where a whole lot of it is dealing with people who are trying to go about life and it seems that everything that they try isn't getting them anywhere, that they're just you know, spinning their wheels and in a cycle. Um, but he not only just went to Ecclesiastes and expressed that feeling of frustration, but talked in the book of James, and uh, like I said, that we'll be going in a lot this fall, about how that we can ask for wisdom and God will give it to us. But it isn't just the simple even asking of it that, James and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes everywhere tells us to seek out wisdom. And that life will seem meaningless if the only thing that we're trying to gain fulfillment from is, you know, winning the rat race, is just trying to accomplish the next worldly goal in front of us. And those aren't bad, but those don't bring fulfillment. But if you live a life to honor God, right, at the end he says that, you know, this is what I've learned you know, it's to fear God and obey his commandments. If you live a life to honor God, that you can have a fulfillment, you can have a peace, you can find some joy in life that will escape you if God isn't your priority. And then last week, Larry, in the book of Job, he talked about how that, that book is about seeking out answers, but it didn't give Job the answer of why do bad things happen to good people, right? It didn't give Job all of those answers he was seeking for, but what it did explain is where wisdom comes from, that the source of wisdom is God and his word, and we can't, we can't outthink God. We, our wisdom is not God's wisdom. We will never be able to understand his wisdom fully, and at some point in our life, we have to make the decision to trust in his wisdom or to keep relying on ours. And so this path to wisdom going from, yes, we need to know the, 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 the simple good and bad rules. We need to understand there's a whole lot of nuance that comes with that. And that sometimes life may seem meaningless and we have to refocus on who God is and ask him for wisdom. And that 
God doesn't promise us all the answers. But he promises us enough of his wisdom and enough things that we can gather through scripture and everything else that we can move forward in this life and find joy. And so when Dom started off, he gave a definition of wisdom that is the skill of living obediently and successfully under God. So it's the skill of leading obediently and successfully under God. And then as we went through last week, Larry shared kind of the how-to and uh, you know, gave the engineering formula for it, which I love. Uh, but I'm that practical guy. I always want steps. And, and the, you know, what he talked about is that wisdom is asking, right? Knowing the right questions to ask, knowing who to ask. And then it's knowing, it's gathering that information from Scripture, from people, from our own experiences when that happens, applying that, and then persisting with the asking, knowing, and applying over time to the point that we gain wisdom that not only helps us, that we could even pass on to others. And so it's, it's that continual process of working and striving and seeking, but not just knowing, applying, and persisting over time, even when the things that we know are good to do, but it's just not working, right? It's just not working. I know they're good to do, but it doesn't fit me. It doesn't fit my life. It's not working immediately. Well, that's where knowing and applying and doing that over time comes in because life isn't always a quick answer. One of the things Larry has told staff frequently and shared with you last week is that never to waste, you know, a mistake, right? When you make a mistake, don't waste it by forgetting the lessons from it. That when you make a mistake, part of life is trial and error, but then it's learning from those, learning from those mistakes and not doing them again and trying to figure out the principles behind it that you got wrong and then applying those principles to the next thing. Otherwise, life will simply be a series of continual mistakes that you're not learning from, knowing, applying, and persisting over time. And you may sit here and you say, well, I don't have time to make these mistakes, I don't have time to mess up. This, this part of my life is too important for me to mess up. I can't just muddle through it and then guess later. We're not saying that that's the plan either. We're just saying that that's part of the process. But scripture and everything tells us that we can seek out wisdom. That God offers it when we ask, that then he commands us to seek it out. It's not just always gonna be you know, and imported into our brains that he gives us things to seek out wisdom. And we can see the fact that, that other people have done before us what we are doing now. And that's really what I want to talk today is, is that it's all been done before. Two weeks ago when Jack talked about that out of Ecclesiastes, it was kind of, you know, in, there in the first chapter, a statement almost of exasperation. But for us, for a believer, for somebody that is seeking after wisdom, the idea that it's all been done before can bring you a little bit of comfort. You can learn from the mistakes and the experiences of others before you simply have to make them all yourself for the first time. I want to today go into the story of the person that we call the wisest man in the Bible, the wisest person who ever lived in King Solomon. I want to look at how that started and then I want to jump to this idea of how we can take advantage of the experiences of others and the scripture that God gives us. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3, and then we're going to jump 
over to Ecclesiastes 1 and Proverbs 2 to finish up. But in 1 Kings chapter 3, King Solomon had just taken over. Uh, it talks about him being a, a godly man and everything else, but uh, that he uh, also at that time would sacrifice in the high places and, uh, and everywhere. And so following his father, King David, who God blessed, it says in 1 Kings 3 and verse 4, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? So Solomon taking over as king and being young and everything else, he at least under, he didn't know what he didn't know, but he at least accepted that there was a lot. He didn't know all the things that he, didn't, he, that would, he would face and that would cause him trouble. None of us do. But he at least was humble enough and wise enough to understand that. And so when God offered him anything, he asked for wisdom. And if you keep reading the verses right after, it's, God says, because you asked for wisdom instead of riches and glory and everything else, I'll give those to you. And if you follow me and continue to follow me through life, I'll give you long life as well. And so Solomon asked for wisdom. And then we have a story right after it in verse 16. And I have to admit to you that when I was younger and when I read this story and heard it the first couple of times and everything else, I was like, not that hard. All right? Here's what we're talking about. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 16. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, pardon me, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. And the next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. So they argued before the king. The king said, this one said, my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. And here it is in verse 24. Here, here's how he resolved it. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order. Cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, Please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other one said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. 
Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. So, I have to admit, when I was younger and the first couple of times I read this, I'm like, that, that's really not that hard to pick between these two women, right? And if you think to yourself that there's nobody who would say just killed the child, then you're not old enough to have watched Jerry Springer or Maury Povich or any of those. Plenty, plenty, plenty of people who would say, if I can't have what I want, then that's fine, burn it all down, right? If I can't get everything I desire, then yeah, destroy it, that's fine. Good, good with me. And so I looked at this, and, and it wasn't until, you know, I was a little bit older, and I, and I studied this a little more and said, why was this wise? Well, Solomon didn't happen into a situation. We read this, right? And when we read this, we're put in the place where they say, okay, there's two women, and you threaten to cut the baby in half. Go with the one who thinks that's a bad idea for everything, right? For everything, Go with the other person for nothing, ever, ever again. That's simple. Solomon wasn't faced with that choice. Solomon had to create that choice. The wisdom of Solomon wasn't to determine which one of them was right and the the one not slaughtering the baby, obviously right. That's easy. Solomon was faced with the decision. He couldn't say, hey, You know, child services, let's take this baby away for the next, you know, four days while we get blood tests. We need samples from everybody, right? And we'll get these things run, and then this will all be figured out for us. There's no way to do that, right? There's no way to do any of that. Solomon was faced with having to figure out from two women claiming that this was their child, which one it was. How? Solomon, asking God for wisdom, was given the ability in that moment in time to understand human nature enough where it wasn't him put into the situation determining which one that the risk of the sword would decide, but that he understood human nature enough to put those two women there and to put them in a situation that would show their character, show their heart, show who they were and whose who's the child was. So Solomon's wisdom here wasn't determining the end result. It was creating the scenario in which he understood human nature enough to quickly put a decision to them and then for him to look at the results. Now, when you start thinking about being a person that is considered wise and you say, yeah, but in the heat of the moment, I can't think fast on my feet. Well, you know, Solomon could have if he didn't think fast, could have said, you know, let's come back in two hours and let me, let me talk about this. I mean, you know, just ripping the sword out and threatening to kill babies, most people don't do off the cuff. Um, so you could take a couple hours on it. And so that's fine. Maybe you say to yourself, well, I, I wouldn't trust my discernment, right? I don't know that I could come up with a test that at the end of the day, I would feel confident in the result, and saying it's this woman's child instead of the other. I mean, what if the cut the baby in half lady was quick enough on her feet to where she understood, I better go along with this and act heartbroken? Well, then Solomon would have had to come up with test number two, right? But his wisdom was that he understood enough about human nature, and at this point, we know that God had given him, you know, had imparted upon him a gift of wisdom that we don't have, right? 
that we aren't given quite the same way. However, God does tell us to ask, but he also commands us to seek. And I will say this, that if you are truly going about the process of asking and seeking God's knowledge, I have no doubt that you will find it. I have no doubt that you'll find it if, right? It's that two-letter word, if. That passage in Ecclesiastes in chapter 1, where it's kind of the exasperating statement of somebody who sees the injustices of life, and, you know, it's not the Proverbs, good equals good and bad equals bad. It's sometimes bad still gives us a, a good result for evil people, and good for people trying to do the right thing get bad. And they said in verse 8, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. Now, there's part of that, and it can absolutely, and I have felt that way before. I have, you know, asked myself, when it comes to serving God, when it comes to being a husband, when it comes to being a father, when it comes to trying to just get by and pay bills, you know, that it seems like this is never going to go away. And you can feel hopeless if that's where your focus is at. And if you notice in in verse 8, It's their focus that is causing the biggest problem. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content, right? It's about their desires being unfulfilled, not God's desires being lived out through them. But when he says that history merely repeats itself, it has all been done before, nothing under the sun is truly new, sure, you can say to yourself, well, that's just depressing. I'm just going to go through a circle of life like everybody else before me, and it's just hard, and you have to work hard your whole life, and then you die. Well, technically accurate, right? But it doesn't have to feel that way. That's your perception and your focus on what's important. And so when you go through this, and, and, and they say, here's something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. Good. Because I don't know what to do, right? The reason we're going through this series on wisdom is because as a staff, we've been asking ourselves, you know, what do we need to do in this part of of leading and in this area and this everything? You know, people are coming to us asking about these hard life questions on making decisions and where to go and how to stay close to God because it sounds easy, but it's really not as easy as it sounds. And all of these how questions... Great, it is wonderful that there is almost nothing new. And you can say, well, yeah, but the days we're living in and what we face is different than 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. But I'll tell you this, the human nature of those two women before Solomon is no different than the human nature we deal with today. And the principles learned from things in the past still apply to today even though the, the variables change. There's a quote by Aldous Huxley that um, I'll have them put on the screen. And uh, he said that, that men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons that history has to teach. 
You know, people say history repeats itself, and then this is a very true statement that we really just don't learn from it. And I'm not going to go get into everything in the world today. Um, you know, inflation's not new, people. It's been faced before. There are things that worked before. It's really not that hard to find. It's really not that hard to do. And the problem is that even some of the people in charge know. But they don't want to do it. Because it doesn't fit what they want to do. And we say, okay, well, it can't be that easy. Well, it's not easy, but it's not unknowable. It's not unknowable. Now let's get to us. We face a lot of difficult decisions and we face problems, many of our problems of our own making. And we say, I just don't know what to do here. When sometimes the reality is, is it has been done before. There are things that have worked when other people have faced this problem. I don't care whether it's work, if it's life, if it's money, if it's marriage, if it's kids, whatever it is. That there are things that other people have done that have worked when they face this problem And we may even know what those solutions are. We just don't want to do them. Because it doesn't fit what we like. Wisdom is not unattainable. It is not unattainable. You know, we can talk about different words. and You can talk about ignorance as a bad word. Ignorance is not a bad word unless you decide to stay there. Now, I'm ignorant in brain surgery. And I decide to stay there. I'm never going to try it. I'm not going to waste my time. I am knowledgeable in raising kids, but when it comes to the nuances of raising daughters, I am ignorant, except from what I can see that other people have gone through in reading about it. And I just try and talk about the basic principles of it and then pass you along to someone who has raised daughters. Right? There are plenty of things in this world that I am ignorant on, but if I stay ignorant on a part of life, Following God or something that I face, it's by choice. It's by choice. I have the ability to go seek out the wisdom that God has provided and that others have experienced instead of me simply having to bang my head against the wall to figure it out brand new myself. You know, in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God grants wisdom. But he says that directly after saying, you know, listen, tune your ears to wisdom, concentrate on understanding, cry out for insight, ask for understanding, search for them as as their silver or precious treasure, seek them, then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord, what it means to gain knowledge of God, and the Lord will grant you wisdom. It takes effort, and it's not that Hard. It is out there and more readily available than at any point in human history, right? Now, sometimes you have to weed through a lot of junk, and that's why it's usually best to ask somebody, hey, you've done this before. When Luke, 
um, decide to throw discus in track. Do you know what I'd never done before? Touch the discus. He didn't say, you know what I want to do? I want to focus on basketball for the rest of my teenage years because I could do that. I did that. I've coached that. I can do that and everything else. But he's like, no, nah, no, it's not really what I want to do. But he wanted to throw discus. And so we went, I talked to coaches and everything else. We looked up stuff on YouTube and all that. And then I talked to coaches and they said, well, there's some really good stuff on YouTube. I'm like, okay. So we found the best. But I went and I asked them and they pointed us in the direction to the best places to look, right? Because there's a ton of information out there and it's not all great. So I went to the people who knew what to do and said, what are the resources? You know, I had a, a, a parent come to me a little while back and say, you know, do you have any suggestions on things that I can do for a Bible study at home with, you know, with my kids? And, um, and I said, you know, I actually looked a little while back and the books that I used to recommend aren't in print anymore. Yes, I'm, I'm getting older. Um, and so I had to go find new books. If you go to the back resource table back there, on the right section of that table is some of our outreach material. It's all free to take. Those books are free to take. Everything else to the left, like three-fourths of the table, don't take, right? I just have one copy, and I haven't looked through them yet. But if you would like to look through some books, if you're saying yourself, I would like to have a good devotional at home to do with my family, whether it's teenagers, whether it's kids, whether as a family, there's some books back there you can look at, Right? And so people ask me those kinds of questions, and when I don't know, I go do research to help try and make suggestions. I reach out to staff, and I'll say, have any of y'all done a good Bible study on this lately to help somebody? I, if I you know, want somebody to, if people have suggest, or questions on finances, um, you know, some of the material that Larry has given us from uh, Crown Financial, um, or uh, some of the stuff that I have from Dave Ramsey or other resources, you know, that I can give. If you come to me and you say that I'm having difficulty in this, this, this relationship, probably the first book I'm going to give you is Boundaries and, uh, and say that it really helps you with all relationships and then we can start getting specific. And if you come to me and you have questions about Jesus and everything else, I'll sit down and have conversation after conversation with you. I'll hand you a student edition of The Case for Christ and say this is a really good place for you to read and then for us to discuss if you come, a lot of times I'll hand out a resource. If you come to me about, you know, addiction, if you come to me about, about marriage, I have tons on all of those things. And, and I'll typically say, let's get together and talk sometime. But after that, I'll often give you a resource. And then I'll just tell you that if you're not going to take the time to read through that resource, we're probably not going to meet very much more. Just, just going to let you know. Why? Because... If I know that this has a whole lot of wisdom that's explained by a professional much better than I can, and you're not going to take the time to do that, then we're probably wasting our time, right? Because there is wisdom for all of us to get, so that's just a little hint in the future, you know. If I give you a book, I want you to read it. And you can ask to get together with me, and I might, but I might tell you, hey, read that book first, and let's get together. Because I know, I know. I have sought out wisdom and people have offered resources for me to find wisdom and then I just haven't done it because it's not been important enough to me yet. If you're struggling at home with finances and you've never sat down to see where you're spending, if you've never tracked spending for three months, then don't waste your time talking, right? Until you do that one thing, then you're never going to get the rest in line. 
You know, we, we talk about marriage and everything. If, if you're having problems in marriage and you're not having conversations and praying with your spouse, then all the other stuff we can tell you is not going to get you very far. If you can't find the willpower to do that one thing. And so there are so many different things in life that God tells us to seek and to ask, to treat it as if it was treasure and to go after it. And so when we simply talk about wanting wisdom, but we'll spend more time online looking at videos to, about a hobby that we have or something else, and we won't spend an hour or two trying to learn more about the area that we say we want wisdom from, then we're not seeking it like it's treasure. And we can't expect God to give it to us. See, in that moment where Solomon asked for wisdom, he had the opportunity to ask for anything. That's why God blessed him. Because he sacrificed the opportunity to have all of these other things and to ask for discernment. So, when we desire wisdom, the path to it is work. It's sacrificing a little bit of time. It's sacrificing a little bit here and there to be able to seek out wisdom like it's treasure. To be able to ask for it from people who have gone ahead of us. That have banged their head against the wall. They've already done it. I'm not going to waste their mistake, right? I'm going to try and learn from it. Before I came and before we launched Pathway, right, five adults, five kids, and a college student, I went and met with multiple pastors who had started churches, and I asked them two questions. What did you do that helped you succeed? And for one or two of them that the works had closed down, what did you do or could have done differently that may have not led to failure? Right, And they had never been asked those questions. Everyone always asks, what are the good things? I want to know the bad things. I tried to learn, and I still made so many mistakes. And you get to experience my mistakes all the time. But I keep seeking, I keep searching, I keep asking. Right? That's the formula. Throw that up again. Is asking. From asking and going to the right sources, knowing. When we know what to do, as, as the book of James says, when we know what to do and then we, that's right, and we don't do it, it's a sin, is applying it. And doing that with persistence over time leads to wisdom. And as you seek after it like treasure, which God has told us to do, then God is also going to grant it to you and give it to you. But don't expect it. If you're not already reading his book. If you're not already seeking it in the places he has handed you. In the people he has surrounded you by. And the opportunities for you to ask. I want to wrap up today in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. And then after this series we're going to get into you know, different sets and looking at a lot of things. Going through the entire book of James. And a lot of really great life lessons. And in Proverbs 3, 5, though, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. You know, the beginning of the knowledge is fear of the Lord, right? It's understanding who he is with a reverence and a respect that he deserves. And also, having that reverence and respect means we understand our place with him. That he is here and we are not. That we need him 
We need what he offers us. We need what only he can give us. And that instead of leaning on our own understanding of life and especially our own understanding of death and heaven and hell, that we just lean on his. We just lean on his. And so if you're here today, you may have a lot of questions about life. You may have a lot of questions about what to do, how to live, how to tackle the difficult things in front of you. But I will say this, that if you do not know Jesus and have not made the decision to trust in him for eternity, if you're still weighing things out, right, still doing the pros and cons, still trying to weigh out whether Jesus is the only way to heaven, about whether God's promises that if you simply believe on him, that he will save you. If you're still weighing those things out, then you're leaning and resting on your own understanding instead of just trusting his. Because it's in his wisdom of knowing that we can't get to heaven on our own, that he died for us. And so if you're here today and you still are struggling with that decision, that when our worship team comes forward and we have a time of response, I'll be standing up front and I would love to talk to you about that. Because of all the other questions you have to answer in life, that is the first one. None of the rest matters. None of the rest matters until that first one is taken care of. As our worship team comes forward, as we're about to sing to God, as we're about to worship him one more time, if you're here and you have trusted in Jesus, you know that that faith and that eternity in heaven does not fix your problems today or tomorrow. <laughs>